Blog Talk Radio.
Greetings, this is Abayome Azikawe, and welcome back to another edition of the Pan-African Journal. The Pan-African Journal is an audio news magazine. It's brought to you here on a weekly basis. Uh, I am your host, uh, Abayome Azikawe. Today is uh, Sunday, December 18th, uh, 2022. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit. I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Once again, to yet another edition of the Pan-African Journal, this special worldwide radio broadcast. Later on, we'll be bringing you our regular Pan-African Newswire segment. We'll feature dispatches on the announcement by the South African government that it will deploy the military to guard the troubled ESCOM State Energy Agency. Tensions are escalating between the West African states of Burkina Faso and neighboring Ghana. We'll have details on that as well. The debate is continuing in the Republic of Sudan over the character of the political dispensation, which could emerge uh, from the latest framework agreement. And the North African state of Tunisia has completed a national election to form a new parliament. In the second hour, we listened to a media briefing by the African National Congress of South Africa on the National Elective Conference taking place at NASREC. Finally, we cover the opening press conference of the second annual Public Health in Africa Conference, uh, which was convened in Kingali, Rwanda, earlier this week. These and other features will be brought to you uh, during the course of our program. So stay tuned. Uh, we're going to take our musical interlude with the legendary Cesaria Ivar. Uh, this is from Mai Morada de Sodade. Let's listen in. <laughs> Tardinha na cambar de sol, me tanda na praia de Natasque, lembra praia de Furna, saudade fronteira. Sardinha na cambar de sol, me tanda na praia de Natasque, lembrando praia de Furna, saudade fronteira. Morada de saudade, ele tá separando pra terra longe, ele tá separando de nós, mais nós amigos, sem certeza de tornar a encontrar. Mare morada. Ele está separando Para terra longe Ele está separando De nós, mais nós amigos Sem 
torna a encontrar Um pensar Na minha vida me sou Sem ninguém de fé Perto de mim Panto já que as ondas Tás quebrado e mansinho Tá trazendo de sentimento Um pensar Na minha vida me sou Sem ninguém de fé Perto de mim Tanto já que as ondas Das quebras de mansinho Tá trazendo De sentimento mas é morada de saudade Ele está separando Para a terra longe Ele está separando De nós mais nos amigos Sem certeza De tornar a encontrar Morada de saudade, ele tá separando para terra longe, ele tá separando de nós mais nos amigos, sem certeza de tornar a encontrar. Terra longe, ele está separando de nós mais nos amigos, sem certeza de tornar a encontrar. Mãe, morada de saudade, ele está separando para a terra longe. Está separando de nós mais nos amigos, sem certeza de tornar encontrar.
festa três de maio Mas aquele povo que sabe brincar Mãe carinhosa, mãe carinhosa, mãe 
cariñosa, mãe cariñosa, oi mãe cariñosa, mãe cariñosa, oi mãe cariñosa, mãe cariñosa, oi mãe cariñosa. Tá doido que mamou, 
Essas duas palavras que dizem te quero Cambio todas as coisas bonitas Porque me repitas te quero, te quero Os poetas hablen de mil coisas De noites azules, de estrelas e rosas Pero eu, em vez disso, prefiro Que me des um beso e me digas te quero As palavras do mundo, essas duas palavras são minhas preferidas. E aunque sei o coração que me queres, eu quero e sempre que tu me las digas. E no mundo há tantas tentações, e para gozarlas não há como o dinheiro. Pero eu, em vez disso, prefiro que me des um beso e me digas te quero.
quisiera pasarme la vida, todita la vida de noche y de día, escuchando tu boca bonita, decirme cerquita que siempre eres mía. No hay que no le agrada la idea de ser presidente, no Juan Torero, pero yo me vez de eso prefiero que me des un beso y me digas que quiero. Des un beso y me digas que quiero Que me des un beso y me digas que quiero
que viven escondidas tras días que es vida considera y sente vida con gente pensando a vos luta levón de cada cual para que viven escondidas tras días que es vida Considera y sente vida, donde no ha preso anda vos, tu talebón de carne cual, tu talebón de carne cual, tu talebón de carne cual. Ganha benta passa mal, canta ma quem tá ganha bom, tá ganha benta passa mal, canta ma quem tá ganha bom, quem te hoje não esquece, nunca pode admitir mais, paciência para quem se critica, lamento que tem foco no chat, quem te hoje não esquece, nunca pode admitir mais, paciência para quem se critica, lamento que tem foco no chat, não pode nos conjuntar. Para não poder dar muito que falar Quem está ganhando bem está passando mal Canta, mas quem está ganhando bom Quem está ganhando bem está passando mal Canta, mas quem está ganhando bom Nunca pode admitir mais Paciência para quem te critica Na mesa que até sou que não te chá Quem te hoje não esquece Nunca pode admitir mais Paciência para quem te critica Na mesa que até sou que não te chá Não fazer nós conjuntos Para não poder dar muito que falar Quem está a ganhar bem está a passar mal Canta, mas quem está a ganhar bom Quem está a ganhar bem está a passar mal Canta, mas quem está a ganhar bom Não fazer nós conjuntos para não poder dar muito que falar Quem está a ganhar bem está a passar mal Canta, mas quem está a ganhar bom Quem está a ganhar bem está a passar mal Canta, mas quem está a ganhar bom Quem está a ganhar bem está a passar mal Canta, mas quem está a ganhar bom Quem está a ganhar bem está a passar mal Canta, mas quem está a ganhar bom Quem está a ganhar bem está a passar mal Canta, mas quem está a ganhar bom Quem está a ganhar bem está a passar mal Canta, mas quem está a ganhar bom Quem está a ganhar bem está a passar mal Canta, mas quem está a ganhar bom
paga nunca calará. Mana mãe daqueles os perfar seus larol, pra fazer banhas levar. Caminha só de Espanha, é brilho um tchau de fincar. Indigo na ribeira e com passe fiz, em vez de cabritas que me cachou. Tô dizendo que ela era bom ver. Da pagalum, pagalara. Mana mãe daqueles os perfar seus larol, pra fazer banhas levar. Caminha só de Espanha, é brilho um tchau de fincar. Indigo na ribeira e com passe fiz. Em vez de cabritas que me cachou Tô dizendo que ela era bom ver Dá pra galumpa calará Mana meida que ele suspende para Está a fazer banhas levar Galinha só de Espanha Gabrito um bocado de espincar E que nico na ribeira E com patetis Desde que habites que me cachou Estou dizendo que ele ora era bom ver Está a pagar lumpa a calará Mana meida que ele suspende para ser uns larol Está a fazer banhas levar Galinha só de Espanha Gabrito um bocado de espincar Picnic na beira e compadre de ti Florir esse jardim 
quis cantir para cada flor que nasce é um café de a crescer já não por mim esse mar sereno e cristalino que na pulsar de seis ondas dá unir nosso coração já não
Vive e revive Pra festejar Não cata gaguejar Nós tudo minha Brinca até pela manhã Junta a nós Vem passar Vem conviver Vive e revive Na festejar Não cata gaguejar Nós tudo a minha Brinca até pela manhã Pra carnaval São Silvestre e São João Povo pra brincar Cheio de alegria Nós tradição Tá vivido pra todo lado Na passação Nós é campeão Pra carnaval São Silvestre e São João Povo pra brincar Cheio de alegria Nós tradição Tá vivido pra todo lado Na passação, nós é campeão Povo contente, cheio de alegria Sorriso quem mora aberta na peça Mina são sem, cá tem tristeza, tudo em paródia, fantasia e folia. Juntar a nós, vem passar, vem conviver, viver e reviver. Para festejar, não casa gaguejar, nós tudo alinhar, brinca até pela manhã. Para carnaval, São Silvestre e São João. O povo está a brincar, cheio de alegria. Nossa tradição está vivida para todo lado. Na passação, nós é campeão. Para carnaval, São Silvestre e São João. O está a brincar, cheio de alegria. Nossa tradição está vivida para todo lado. Na passação, nós é campeão. Na passação, nós é campeão 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 Welcome back. And uh, that was uh, music uh, from uh, the West African Islands nation of uh, Cape Verde. And that was the legendary Cesaria Ivar uh, singing a number of uh, outstanding uh, tunes uh, from Cape Verde. And you're listening to the Pan-African Journal, Worldwide Radio Broadcast this special edition uh, of our program. And uh, right now we want to move into our Pan-African Newswire segment uh, of our program. These are some of the uh, headlines that are in uh, today's uh, Pan-African Newswire. Uh, stage six of uh, power cuts and reports of sabotage at South Africa's coal-fired power plants. The army is now being deployed to protect certain stations. Uh, ESCOM says soldiers will now uh, be uh, posted at four power plants, namely at Majuba, 
Camden, uh, Groslev, and Tutuka uh, power stations. Uh, presidency spokesperson Vincent Maguena says something had to be done about ongoing cases of sabotage. The last three months or so, uh, there has been an increase in individuals being arrested for sabotage, for theft, and so on. So now what the president is doing is to just scale up uh, that effort, unquote. But the South African National Defense uh, Union is asking why the police can't do the same job alone. Uh, the union's uh, Piki Grace uh, says he's concerned and questions the timing of the deployment. Uh, one has to question whether it involves a power play by the current president, given the conference underway and whether the deployment is based on real-time intelligence reports, or thirdly, uh, whether it's a combination of both. Meanwhile, top energy expert uh, Chris Yellen fears that South Africans aren't fully aware of the level of criminality at some power stations in Mpumalanga. It is not yet clear how long they'll be deployed uh, in uh, the areas. And in West Africa, uh, tensions are rising between Burkina Faso and neighboring Ghana, following Ghana's claim that uh, Ouagadougou had invited Russian mercenaries into the country. Uh, Ghana's president, Nana Okufu Adu, uh, made the comments last Wednesday, sparking a diplomatic row. These 48 hours were marked by the words of Ghana's president, Nana Okufu Adu, on a large contract between the transitional government and a private Russian company. Faced with such a situation, the logistical thing to do was to urgently summon the Ghanaian ambassador in Ouagadougou, but also our ambassador in Accra for consultation, uh, said Karamoko Jean-Marie Traore, uh, Burkina Faso's deputy minister for regional cooperation. With jihadist attacks since 2015, Burkina Faso has been increasing ties with Russia in a bid to defeat the rebels. As for our ambassador in Accra, he reported to us as soon as these remarks were made. So we also invited him for consultation so that we could examine together what action would be taken on this matter. In any case, a verbal note of protest was sent to the Republic of Ghana via its national representation in Burkina Faso at its the Deputy Minister for Regional Cooperation. Moscow has been actively courting public opinion on social media and enjoys growing popularity uh, and support in several uh, former French colonies. Uh, the former colonial power is increasingly reviled in various uh, sections of West Africa. You're listening to the Pan-African Newswire segment uh, of uh, the Pan-African Journal. And uh, in Sudan, a debate continues uh, over uh, the possible role of the military in a civilian dispensation. The deputy chairman of the National UMA Party, Maryam al-Sadiq al-Makdi, stressed the need to involve the justice and equality movement and the Sudan liberation movement in the political framework agreement, despite the support of the two armed groups to the October 25th coup of 2021. On December the 13th, the National UMA Party uh, head, uh, Burma Nasir, and his deputy, Miriam El Magdi, met with the Democratic Bloc leadership to discuss ways to join the framework agreement, stroke uh, with the military component to restore a civilian transition in Sudan. 
in a talk show, Al Muqtasar, uh, broadcast on social media on December the 15th, Al Monty expressed her understanding of the street's anger at attempts to associate in the political form of rebel groups that supported the military coup. She said that their support for the coup should not be a justification for their exclusion, since they are signatories to the Jubal Peace Agreement and committed to the pact that ended the war in the country. The National Movement Party deputy leader added that they are part of a binding agreement for all the parties, so there must be accountability without exclusion and counter-exclusion. Therefore, the Uma Party took the initiative to open a dialogue with these brothers after these stalemates that lasted for a while before the signing of the framework agreement so that they could participate in the second phase of the political process and discuss the five sticky issues. She emphasized, the two holdout groups are calling for opening the framework agreement for negotiation and amending it based on their initiative calling for preserving the 2019 Constitutional Declaration, which guarantees their participation in the transitional government. In addition, they call to involve their allies of the Democratic bloc in the political process. However, the signatories to the framework agreement reject both requests. Also, Marianne revealed a prior agreement to limit the process to the civilian components led by the Forces for Freedom and Change, the FFC. The military components, the Justice and Equality Movement, the Sudan Liberation Movement, meaning Manawi, as well as some political groups that rejected the coup d'etat. In a tweet posted after the meeting, uh, Manawi uh, mentioned they had agreed with the Uma Party to form two committees to reconcile the positions of the two blocks. The framework agreement postponed discussions on five issues, including justice and transitional justice, reform of the security system, review of the Juba peace process, uh, disentanglement of the al-Bashar regime, and Eastern Sudan's plight uh, for the second stage of the process to ensure broader participation. In a related development, al maki announced that they had started to prepare a program for the next transitional government. And finally, uh, in uh, other uh, news uh, taking place in the North African state of Tunisia, an election was held just this weekend, and Tunisia's opposition parties almost immediately uh, earlier today uh, called for the president's resignation after disastrous parliamentary elections in which less than 9% of the voters cast ballots. The mass voter disavowal was a dramatic development for the country that was the birthplace of uh, the uprising uh, some 12 years ago against autocratic leaders and the only one to emerge from that upheaval without a military regime uh, with a democratic political system. The election Saturday were meant uh, to replace and reshape a legislature that President Kais Saeed dissolved last year. It was one of the several moves he has made to consolidate his power and tackle Tunisia's protracted economic and social crisis. The election results are expected in the next coming days.
Many opposition parties boycotted the vote, and many voters stayed away as well. And with that, uh, we're going to conclude uh, the Pan-African Newswire segment of uh, the Pan-African Journal. In concluding this segment, we would like to remind our listeners that the Pan-African Newswire is an international electronic press service. It is designed to foster intelligent discussions on the affairs of African people throughout the continent and the world. The press agency was founded in January of 1998 and has published thousands upon thousands of articles and dispatches in numerous newspapers, magazines, journals, research reports, and on blogs and websites throughout the world. The Pan-African Newswire represents the only daily international news source on Pan-African and global affairs. If you'd like to log on to uh, the Pan-African Newswire so you can stay abreast of the most pressing and burning issues of the day, just go to our website uh, at uh, the panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. If you'd like to have access to today's Pan-African Journal special worldwide radio broadcast, just go to the Pan-African Radio Network. You can reach the Pan-African Radio Network by logging on to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. We'll take a musical break. We'll be back with more of our program for this week.
Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to the Pan-African Journal, special worldwide radio broadcast uh, for Sunday, December 18th, uh, 2022. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit, and that was the music of Candy Staten. Uh, you're the best thing. I'm the best thing you ever had. Yes. And, of course, uh, we're going to listen to an update on the African National Congress 55th National Elective Conference taking place in Nazareth uh, in South Africa uh, this weekend. Uh, here is a update. Uh, this uh, conference will determine uh, the leadership of the ANC over the next five years. Media, uh, we are getting there. Uh, it has not been an easy National Conference. A few days since we began with our uh, yesterday, we concluded with uh, the adoption of credentials as well as the nomination of officials. So the Electoral Commission working together with the Electoral Committee of the African National Congress read out the names of those that qualified to stand as national officials of the ANC. Before they could undertake that, a presentation on constitutional amendments was done a new position of the Deputy Secretary General was added to now be referred to as the second DSG. So you all know the names that were nominated and qualified. To refresh your memories, on President there are two candidates uh, being the sitting president of the ANC, Comrade Sir Ramaphosa, and uh, Comrade Zuelim Kize. On deputy president, there are three candidates who qualified, being Comrade Paul Mashatile, the current treasurer general of the ANC, Comrade Oscar Mabuyani, the current national chairperson of the ANC, and Comrade Ronald Lamola, a sitting, the current sitting member of the, national, of the outgoing National Executive Committee of the ANC. On the position of Secretary General, uh, it's the current uh, City member of this outgoing National Executive Committee, actually two, Comrade Pumula Maswale and Comrade Figile Mbalula, as well as the former Provincial Secretary of KwaZulu Natal, Comrade Mdumiseni Nduli. On the position of the Deputy Secretary General, the first DSG, it's the current City member of the National Executive Committee on outgoing, Comrade. Nomvula Mukonyani, 
and uh, another sitting member of the NEC, Comrade Dina Jomad Peterson. And on the second DSG, it's uh, Comrade Marupeng Ramokhopa, who's the coordinator of the ANC Women's League NTT. as well as uh, Ronaldo Nalumango, who is the IPC coordinator of the Western Cape province. On Treasurer General is uh, Comrade Bejan Nishahuke, uh, Comrade Nzandile uh, Masina, and Comrade Pule Mavi. So the electoral committee will come back to plenary to come and outline how voting is going to take place. As of now, what is happening inside plenary is that uh, <clears throat> messages of support of support are being conveyed. And after, and these are 17 messages of support, fraternal organizations, uh, formations, uh, here in the country and in the diaspora, and former liberation movements that we have uh, shared trenches with that have been invited. So it has become tradition and practice over the years that uh, they will come and deliver these messages of support. After all these messages of support are delivered, we'll discuss reports that have been tabled. At the conclusion and adoption of these reports, the Elections Committee, together with the Elections Commission, will come and uh, outline how elections will unfold. Delegates will then break for lunch. When they come back, they will move into different commissions. They are expected to vote per province while they are in commissions, continuing with deliberations. So we are hoping that this process will be smooth, uh, it will go as planned. You would have seen as soon as credentials were adopted, we began seeing uh, a faster pace of doing things. Because once we are done with uh, the registration of your own delegates and accrediting them accordingly, then the program begins to begin to see uh, faster movement. So we still hope to have results of officials 
announced today and maybe late in the night once those results are announced will then be seized with uh, the nominations of additionals so that tomorrow when we come back we are able to start with the voting of those additionals but of course will be guided by the steering committee of conference so where we are now are trying to make sure that we cover as much ground as possible especially on the things that uh, we were really beginning to lag behind and once more we must thank our delegates they participated in all those these processes that have already been undertaken uh, yourselves members of the media were invited to the open session when comrade khalima and his team were presenting the electoral guidelines as well as uh, the putting the names of those individual cadres who have qualified initially in the top 6 to be in the top 6 positions so we don't anticipate that we will not finish uh, the program of conference at the date when we had intended to conclude which is the 20th of December we'll be coming in to give members of the media updates what we'll also be doing is that post this uh, once we go into commissions when they are done when presenters to commissions are done with the presentations we'll be bringing in those different presenters like we did with the national policy conference here to come and uh, interact with yourselves on some of the key areas that came out of those policy discussions so that would give you the insight of where the program is at and or what the deliberations were all about and also allow you the space and an opportunity to ask them questions like we said i've discussed with um, our head of elections comrade mbalola because he had done a presentation on elections that there might be a need that they too especially on those presentations that were done and presented at plenary that they also come and uh, interact with yourselves on those we've discussed with the media relations team that aspects of our organizational report that were taken into plenary also be shared with yourselves so that you at least have got a, a fair appreciation of our own analysis of the state of organization so that will be done um if you have access to 
our digital ANC today publication. You will also see notice there in the, on ANC today that we have done some work on the organizational report. So you can always also refer to ANC today as an important resource around this uh, organizational report that was delivered. So we'd like to pause there for now and uh, pick up questions if there are any from members of the media. Can come through. Uh, all those who have questions, they can. Uh, you can raise your hands. All those who have questions, and then immediately he's done asking his. Then you can come through. Yes, sir. Thank you. My question regards the counting process. Um, could you explain it to us, please? Will it be partially manual, partially electronic, or? any which way, and how would the candidates be um, represented at the counting process to stop any um, claims that, that it wasn't free and fair? Yeah, just the question, I want, just uh, repeat the question again. I want to try and record it, sir. You're more than welcome to. My question is on the counting process. How will the votes be counted? Will they be tallied electronically, manually, or will there be a hybrid situation? And how will the candidates, agents, or any representative of any candidates be represented so that uh, there are no claims that it wasn't free and fair? Okay, we, we recognize that these are not general elections. They are elections, they are internal elections of the ANC. They are part of our own internal democracy. Um, because, uh, so, maybe let me... Uh, make my point, simplify my point. Those who are standing to be elected in the ANC don't have independent observers themselves. You know, because it's an internal process of the African National Congress. Imagine with additionals. You have got about, uh, your ballot paper has got about 240 comrades who are standing. If each one of them had an observer, it means you are going to have 240 observers. So the internal election process of the ANC as part of our own internal democracy is different to what happens in your national or general elections or local government elections. On the observer part, which is what you are asking about. Partially, sir. Yes. So we will have the legal, the leaks, uh, provinces of the ANC, alliance partners, will deploy observers. So already those observers have already been deployed. They, are now part, they now form part of the Electoral Commission. So that gets to be done all the time to make sure that there is no suspicion or doubt that there could have been manipulation of processes and all of that. We ensure that we always have a team of independent observers that is part of this exercise. We make sure that organizational structures are represented in that exercise as well. Understood. Sorry. And then on the, the counting, on the counting, uh, we always say, uh, for now, we are still doing manual counting of ballots. 
and this conference will again be undertaken in exactly that way as it relates to counting ballots. Does that assist? Oh, thanks. Um, thank you, Mkokeli Bandla, SABC Radio. Uh, we know, Prapule Oguti, the ANC Electoral Committee uh, had tried to um, curb the issue of vote buying and money exchanging hands amongst the delegates. But in this conference already, there are reports that money or there were attempts to uh, buy delegates from both factions, that of uh, Zulim Kize and Ramaphosa. Those reports arrived, that happened last night and has been confirmed by a few delegates. I want to get the position of the ANC and also to check if the ANC would be able to ever cleanse itself from this destructive practice. Thank you. No, thanks, thanks for that question. When we met here on Friday and we presented to members of the media the do's and don'ts, part of the don'ts that the African National Congress abhors is vote buying. Unfortunately, if these delegates uh, whom are alleged to have been uh, bought or have received some form of inducement to vote either way, only use the media or journalists to report and they don't make the organization aware we are then not empowered to make the necessary investigations. When your colleague, in the, one of your colleagues in the media, uh, brought such a question to my attention, or such an issue to my attention, I then, tried to, I then asked them, that, have these delegates reported? And I could not get a straight answer. Because where this case of vote buying, allegations of vote buying, and people produce material proof of how that uh, purchase or transaction was going to take place, then we are then empowered as an organization to undertake the necessary investigations. Imagine if, uh, say, about 1,500 of this uh, near 4,400, near 4,200 delegates that are present in this conference came with such allegations and they do not provide proof to back them. What such allegations do is that they cast doubt on brand ANC. They create a credibility crisis for those expected to lead. They undermine trust between the ANC and the, the, the leadership of the ANC and its own members. So we have said that we have got to deal with these instances because later on when you are elected in a position of leadership, if there has been some form of transacting on how you ultimately emerged, you then struggle to gain the necessary respect that must be given to a leader of the African National Congress. So to avoid these things, ultimately taking the organization down, because uh, I, I often say that this issue of uh, vote buying 
makes it difficult for the organization to be able to uh, locate itself on critical matters that affect society. Because once a leadership becomes tainted in that way, it also becomes a little bit of a constraint on how that leadership executes its own responsibilities. And that is created by a simple thing, that your ability to enjoy and earn respect of your own members again gets to be in question. You'd imagine this, Google. Uh, uh, these people know that Ahmad. Upule, man, lakon. How are you going to be respected by those people? Because we often say the leadership of the ANC must be beyond reproach. When you stand there and make articulations or pronouncements on any other matter, the people you are relaying that to have got to trust you, have got to know that this is a credible leader. They've got to say we can rely on this wisdom. So, and we must thank the members of the media to bring this to our attention. We'll also just say on the side, not here, we get to be empowered with some form of evidence so that we follow it through with the, with the steering committee of the African National Congress, so that those who are involved in such acts can be acted upon. We can no longer just leave these things to be uh, allegations that fly out there, and the ANC, to redeem itself, is not seen to be undertaking some form of investigations. We have briefed our security at all security checkpoints. We have briefed our marshals on site on access points to commission rooms, to voting stations, and all of that. But if they dare pick up something suspicious within the conference precinct on exchange of monies, they must report such to the steering committee of the conference. We have to take action against individuals who do such. Because we now have got the electoral guidelines that Comrade Khalema is presiding over. And these electoral guidelines makes it easier for you to campaign openly. That is why, for the first time, you came across lots and lots of digital posters. A number of journalists were asking me when we were discussing how this campaign, this new campaigning is running and whether it creates constraint or not for the ANC and our answer has always been consistent. That it, it, it's quite helpful because under the new guidelines you now have to make, you can make declarations if you have received some form of financial support to be able to run your campaign. You can do those declarations because society will appreciate that the ANC's desire to build an ethical developmental state to have a meritocratic leadership, you know, to make sure that the leadership that you have is also based on merit, is also advanced through the, what this organization is doing. They are doing things on merit themselves. 
this leadership is showing that they are ethical in their own undertakings. They are able to make the relevant declarations where they've received support towards their own campaigns. And the electoral guidelines go further to even outline what kind of support is permitted. Support with uh, monies, helping a branch or branches that have declared their support uh, with uh, monies for airtime, you know, for data, because these days they would run a branch. In my branch where I come from, they've got a branch WhatsApp group. Now, with, because WhatsApp has even developed, they've now gotten into something called the WhatsApp community where they can bring in different members. So you can imagine, I've seen many others would have used such methods as part of their own campaigning. It would be transport to get um, members of a branch to, into the BGM. You know, it could be resources towards payment of a, a venue or buying a snack, catering, during that brand general meeting or when the campaign team is meeting a list of members of the campaign team and uh, the work that they are expected to do or they are doing money for fuel for mobility and all of that so those things are clearly defined on what resources of campaigns can be used towards so i'm just saying i mean if as a as a pro, as, as part of uh, promoting uh, you know progressive citizenry we could be favored with the information ourselves and be allowed to use our own uh, mechanisms to conduct investigations and because uh, some of these issues are matters of public interest we can also you know whoever will be in the leadership can always come and clarify those out in the public Um, good afternoon. I'm Khalang Bata from Bloomberg News. I just wanted to get some clarity on the number of voting delegates because the credentials report stated 4,426. But I think during the nominations process yesterday, um, uh, someone from the Electoral Commission may have mentioned 4,436. So if you can just get some clarity on the number of voting delegates. Well, I will just I'll get the full number for you and clarify. You know, I don't want to put a number here, and I'm also not giving an accurate one. Numbers are important in a conference, so we just have to. We are within the precinct. We can always make sure that the team, once it has clarified that, gives once it has managed to source, get the right and accurate information, we then share it with you. Hi, Mr. Mawe. Um, it's Dennis Alper from Network 24. I just want to confirm with you the time that delegates will start voting. And then also, uh, is it a guarantee that we would get the result tonight? Um, and then also, we are, um, if we get the result tonight, we are already 24 hours behind schedule. What is the plan to end the conference in time? Thank you. Uh, well, we will be able to give that kind of an update once voting begins. Um, well, the steering committee will have to then say, seeing that we are already 24 hours behind, uh, what do we do? Do we need to have a 
full-on discussion of all the different uh, uh, commissions in all the different commissions or are we going to be limiting time to make sure that we can meet or fulfill what was on our own program so we should be able to give that clarity later on as well um, Pete Krokom from the Freyvirkblad another scourge except for the, the vote buying is that of slates but slates are conceived in factions and then that results in slates and that results in, in vote buying so and I, I must uh, credit you you don't seem to appear on any slate which is uh, really honorable um, don't you think don't you think one should address the factions issue first before you can address all these other issues because surely that's where it's uh, where it's conceived in, in the fact that there are factions as long as there are factions there will be slates as long as there are slates there will be vote buying uh, well what the Khalima Mudlante process has done. It has, it, it has opened up for campaigning where those that want to stand for leadership can campaign openly. But of course, when you get to this point, you will find that uh, different comrades who have been nominated for various positions themselves forge consensus at this point that uh, look to avoid a proliferation of pieces of paper doing rounds at the venue conf at the venue of conference having the name of uh, Steve Mavona, Amos Pajo and all of that because <laughs> you know something of interest happened when we when when delegates were busy registering on Friday was it on Thursday uh, there at uh, Omonde, they already had. Uh, maybe you might know, you might not uh, grasp it, because it's said in a different language, Stepezan. They had people with Stepezan there, so it's a smaller than a piece of paper. A person has written their name there. As delegates were getting into the venue, they were given that paper. Please, when you go to NEC or additionals, remember me. That is why, during the nomination process, we stuck with 10,000 names of people who were nominated to be in the NEC. 10,000. You know, because of this uh, new open electoral process of the ANC, that seems to be embraced by the fact that you could have 10,000 names. It means the process is being uh, embraced. You know, so we said that we want to deal decisively with slate politics. The introduction of the electoral committee as well as the adoption of the electoral guidelines by the leadership structure of the ANC is part of those efforts to make sure that we deal with slates. But a list alone, a list alone that has got a list of comrades who are standing for positions of, who are nominated to stand for positions of leadership. You know, it's not a very hectic thing to do. And it's not a very expensive thing to do because normally it's just lists that are photocopied. And when you are in a, in, in a floor of conference, what cadres usually do, they again forge their own consensus. Say, okay, because we're not going to be doing a radical change maybe on the direction that the African National Congress need to take. But because 
there seems to be consensus on the approach we are taking on how issues must be resolved. Maybe as part of this, uh, let's have our own one common list to be able to do that. Those are done, but, but you don't really want to locate those uh, within the realm of uh, slaves. Because slaves are well-coordinated, uh, structured to fulfill a desire of this or that grouping, and sometimes can be divisive. This whole nomination process of the ANC have actually begun to expose the fact that if we give our branches the space to express themselves, they can actually contribute in the strengthening of the African National Congress, even without ourselves having to push names down their throats. So there is a commitment on our part to deal with the notion of vote buying, because an organization such as the ANC, our size, doesn't really subscribe to those. Those things are an antithesis of what we stand for. Um, from I just want to get an update. You promised yesterday that you will check for us if um, can we interact with the delegates and also are we, is the top, top six still, um, the outgoing top six still going to come and interact um, with the media? Okay, can you? Hi, good afternoon, Pula. It's Ranesh Dharaj from the SABC. I'm kind of glad you mentioned the Electoral Committee guidelines because just on that, the initial plan from the Electoral Committee was to stagger the voting at, uh, at conference. So what we were supposed to have was the President, the SG, the Chairperson and the TG's positions to be voted on first and then the, uh, obviously now it's two DSG posts and the Deputy President. So when did the plan change? Because the ultimate aim and objective was to do away with slates as you uh, mentioned earlier, and a winner-takes-all approach. So when did the plan change? Was it because of the time and the schedule that conference is running behind? Thanks. Okay. Oh, hi, Pule. Moloko Mloto from ENCA. I have two-pronged questions. The first one is, how's your campaign as the candidate for the TG position going? Are you getting promises from some delegates from other provinces perhaps but the second part of my question is you guys the three of you have now been joined by a female Dr. Gwen Ramokopa who was nominated from the floor for that position of TG in the interest of being seen to be promoting uh, women and trusting them to hold strategic position because I stand to be corrected but I don't think as the ANC, you have ever had a female being elected to the position of Treasurer General. Why can't you, the three of you as males, agree that you are withdrawing your candidacy and you allow her to be elected uncontested? Uh, when are we bringing the top, the top six? Start the question. 
So I've spoken to them about that, and then uh, will, once I've gotten an indication, I will be able to advise members of the media. I had not gotten that indication, but I have put forward that proposal. We would like to do that ourselves, because it's just good for the media village itself and for yourselves, but also for them to also be able to advance what would have been their, what they perceive to have been their legacy as the top leadership of the ANC. So we'll raise that. Uh, the, actually, the resolution itself on staggering the voting, we have clarified this question. We have to clarify, we can, we can do so again. The resolution itself, we're talking about staggering of all the top six positions, all the six positions. So it means you're going to have six ballots. Now, you can see the other point, that the, the time factor. When provincial secretaries put this forward, the time factor was also at play. So it, it was really that. But because of the way the nomination processes went, it was a tedious process. Tedious, tedious, tedious. You have seen it. There was even attempt, others have even taken this to court. Of course, the court dismissed their case. But, you know, it was tedious. So it, it must tell you a story that if, if we don't make our processes so solid, people can go to court and win against you. What would you do? It will undermine the old processes. So the fact that you could even have people uh, going to court like that, it means that there is something that we did right with these processes. You know, allowing our, and court dismissed those, allowing our branches to be at the center of these nominations. Uh, Mologo, just to clarify, uh, here I speak in my capacity as outgoing spokesperson. It would be unfair of me, while addressing the media, to talk about an internal democratic process of the ANC that has also produced my name as a candidate. Because I did not influence my candidature in any way. Unfortunately, I can't resign from myself. I can't say because I, I, I have been nominated, whose nomination I have accepted, I can no longer be able to talk to the media. For your own benefit, for your own benefit and for the benefit of many, because uh, there was also, I also had uh, some clapping of hands. Let me accompany that clapping of hands as it relates to the empowerment of women. That Rule 6 of the ANC Constitution stresses the point that in the overall structure of the National Executive Committee, you must have 50-50 representation. So maybe, this, maybe it was at this point that we were supposed to have those hands. Because the structure of the NEC of the ANC, when you look at it overall, 50% of those represented must be women. So that is already in the Constitution. The electoral guidelines that we have adopted also talks about biasness towards a generation. Now, a generation in the ANC is not located according to gender. No. 
It could be generation of youth. Those that came from the youth movement and all of that. So as we raise the question you are raising, also talk about the importance of intergenerational leadership in the African National Congress. You have to look at the profile of our country and then say, does the leadership of the ANC today reflect the profile of the country? You have already been taken to two sessions, two open sessions. First, when the president was delivering his political report, and secondly, during the nominations of officials. You yourselves have had sight of the profile of the delegates that are in this conference. So where there are issues that relate to our candidature, you know, individual, as individual cadres, because I'm not the spokesperson of people who are standing. You know, if you say, why can't the three of you? So you are making an assumption that I speak for Bejani, I speak for Mzwandile, I speak for the ANC, I speak for this big organization. I don't speak for candidates. So they can speak for themselves. But also, I can use the platform of the ANC where I've invited the media in my capacity as outgoing national spokesperson, come in and start talking about my campaign. If members of the media want to talk to us about such, you can just grab us on the side, but not on this platform. We've got to respect this platform, the decorum of how we interact with the media ourselves, so that my own comrades, I mean, imagine there are others who are standing for the position we are mentioning. They are not here to speak for themselves. You know, they could go and accuse me of having an unfair advantage because I've got this interaction with the media. So, if you want to talk to us about these other ones, we can do them outside. We've done so before. We have uh, spoken to many media outlets and so are other candidates as well. We have just avoided debates ourselves with uh, fellow comrades who have been nominated and have qualified because we understood this to be about uh, uh, internal democracy in the ANC. You know, the leadership that we elect only leads the African National Congress. It's limited to that. So we're fine. So if, if you feel strong about the question, we can do it, but not on this platform. Uh, Hi, good morning, Mr. Mabe. Oh, it's afternoon, actually. Sorry. Good afternoon. I hope you're doing well. Um, Paige Muller from Sunday Times and Times Live. We chatted yesterday about load shedding and how NASRAC was being powered. I believe Daily Maverick brought up the question. I just wanted to check because City Power has released a press release saying that the South African Police Service NAP joint did request that the NASRAC precinct be excluded from load shedding. Does the ANC know anything about that request? Were they aware of it? How is NASRAC being powered at the moment? No, but really, I mean, you are saying it yourselves, net joint, subs. It's aware of the But how do we enter? We are not, we are not subs. We can't enter there. SAPS is not us. SAPS. SAPS. South African Police Service. Yes. Okay. 
because you see unless unless the unless the, the, the question is intended that something else but the south african police service is not part of any structure of the anc you know we hire a venue and you understand the profile of and maybe to be fair to you the profile of people who attend this conference is such that it requires its own its security to be tightened the president of the ANC is the president of the Republic of South Africa so how those that deal with security detail often we are told that security issues are not discussed like that those that deal with security issues what they would have detected and all of that it would not be because you don't want to make a security environment vulnerable you allow the relevant teams that have to attend to that to apply what is uh, sufficient to deal with the security of an area and any other threat that they might have picked up or any other person i mean for instance when we drive our cars here we first have to go to search park you know cars have to be surveyed and checked if they are not carrying any weapons and all of that and we are not asking them why are you doing this because we regard those as falling within the uh, arena of security in the same way that we treat this issue i guess it has got these issues have got their own sensitivities so it's good that the uh, city power communicated um, because this question was first raised by the daily maverick if i recall it's good that they have clarified it it's, it only goes to show that they are transparent enough to share that something like that has been done that there is no information that is being concealed you know so that it doesn't come across as if there were there was some underhand or secret operation that was taking place to try and conceal this information so we must commend city power and the south african police service that they've been able to place this out on record and exonerate the anc so at least the daily maverick and yourselves are now aware that the anc never applied for any exemption yes so if you report about it it could be in the positive as well so we indeed did not know ourselves so we commend them for making sure that they are transparent about that kind of an arrangement it could be a security issue we don't know but if it's done by subs and subs being in the security cluster it means it's a security issue you and i understanding the sensitivities of security we may want to treat as a security matter as well can we just move towards the closure because this ends uh because we did ask that colleagues from the media must raise their hands we take questions at once yeah, yeah. Uh, mr mabe i don't know if you've clarified on this before but what is the difference between the second deputy secretary general position and the first one well we have had intense deliberations in the organization when we ultimately considered the introduction of the position of the second deputy secretary general including consideration that the position of treasurer general shouldn't be full time 
So we said that what we need to consolidate or build on in the ANC is to make sure that you build in a strong secretariat to do organizing work, to do campaigning work, to do uh, monitoring work as well. And what do you monitor here? You don't just have to monitor the work of uh, branches, whether they've got programs. You also have to monitor the work of your employees in government. You monitor, you know, you do sort of, and we started doing it now. We introduced something called an elections barometer. And what that barometer does, it allows us to zoom into uh, all topical issues that affect the ANC and how the ANC is being perceived out there. And on a daily basis, from the SGO side, would get that barometer. And we'll see, okay, this way by elections, how the ANC fed, there was a protest here, this protest was caused by this uh, business forum in this specific township, and this is how issues were attended to there, you know. So, so now, but now, you need a focused uh, attention on that kind of a thing. So, it will fall under the SGO to do that work, you know, uh, international relations, numerous others you know, your membership system, so a number of things. So that alignment would have to then be done to make sure that there is no duplication of rules in the organization, especially there in the SGO. Each one of those positions has got specific tasks that they are meant to fulfill. The SGO primarily deals with the overall administration of the African National Congress. Well, I'm still in the employ of the ANC. I'm sure that uh, when I finish in my role as spokesperson, I will still have three months to dust my table and all of that. And, you know, while the new spokesperson gets into their role. My letter of appointment in the ANC, because I'm an employee of the ANC, I get my pay slip there at work. My letter of appointment is signed by the Secretary General. Matters of employee relations are, fall within the SGO. So there's quite a lot of things. HR, DC, coordination of the work of subcommittees sit within or reside within the SGO. So you have to strengthen the SGO to empower you to be able to do that way. Convening of NEC meetings, convening of uh, NWC meetings, communications, both internal and external, done through them. For instance, the national spokesperson position reports directly to the Secretary General's office in between NWC and NEC meetings. The national spokesperson of the ANC as a reportee to, as a person, someone who reports to the SGO, also sits in the National Working Committee of the ANC to assist the SGO with uh, those communications efforts. So you could just imagine the amount of work that the SGO is expected to do and conduct. So I'm sure the incoming leadership, whoever will be there, I don't know democracy will decide. The incoming leadership will be able to then communicate on some of this because 
society, members of the media do deserve to be clarified fully on what is the difference, what are the extra tasks that will be done by the second DSG different to those that will be done by the DSG. So that will be done. Part of the issue, part of the motivation of why we have that position are the issues that I've just raised now. I'm sure you're out. Um, good morning. Well, good afternoon. You see what you did with the morning. Yes, now everybody now, thinks it's a morning. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been a long day, but it mm. feels very short. Nonetheless, um, I'd just like you to clarify in terms of, you know, you spoke about how NAT joint apply or appealed to city power without communicating with you as the ANC about, you know, being exempt from load shedding. So could you confirm that? And secondly, um, uh, if that's the case, right? No, 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 no. Can we just help? Okay. I never said without communicating with us. So, so no, 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 okay. No. If, if, if as national spokesperson of the ANC I'm not aware of something, it doesn't mean they did not communicate with the ANC. Okay. I'm just saying, the ANC is a very big organization. Big, 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 big. Since 1912, big, more than 100 years old. So, I'm just saying, uh, me not, and uh, I would really ask that those issues that have got to do with external parties outside the ANC, you are welcome to take it up with them. It just okay. Sorry, um, I think it just becomes a bit quite. It becomes quite tricky in terms of you know if you're saying that we must appeal to external factors when you indeed are the spokesperson. You know we expect to get answers from you, especially on matters like this, because then my next question would have been, um, as the ANC, if indeed you were aware. Um, do you not have some sort of ethical obligation to investigate how such arrangement was made? I would. So first, should we now get into security issues? Really? Are you asking us that question? question. I don't think that the... the no, let, let's help you. Let's help you with... I think we need to assist you here. The, the, the net joins. In net joins, there will be someone from the ANC who is part of net joins. Understand? So, so net joins is actually it's, it's a it's a national joint task team that would look at all the security factors that affect our own conference. To give you a simple example and to make you understand how these security issues work, the only that's why when you drive, if you you drive coming here. If you drive to come here, or if you are dropped, whichever one, you, have, you, you use the entrance just behind here. That entrance is a dedicated entrance only for the media and DIP. Everyone else who comes on that door, the police know they must have a tech. There must either be a media service provider there must be from the media, media text that you are all having now, or there must be from our own uh, DIP. So almost all the entrances you have around Nazareth are, are designated to specific groupings of people that are here. We know that they know that, okay, this access is used by members of the National Executive Committee. 
So all those things are discussed within the net joints. I can come here and make noise to the police. No, allow me in. I'm NEC and all of that. But if I'm not using a designated entrance, they won't allow me. Because we have to know at any given time how many warm bodies are we having around the media village. So it's a very important security feature, that one. So if I'm not fully informed about something, it doesn't mean that relevant bodies in the ANC or relevant structures in the ANC that represent us in net joints are not away. I went on to commend City Power and SAPS to have placed this out there because I'm sure that when they did something like this, uh, consider it was them having considered a number of factors which fall outside my scope of work. Okay? Can I take this opportunity to thank all of you uh, once more for continuing to report to the public out there, uh, be critical of our work, the work of the African National Congress, and where we want to take the country. We don't take the role you are playing lightly. We respect that role, and now and then are able to pick up what we may not have known because of the things that you bring forward. And everything else that you bring forward here, if I don't know, I always go back to the relevant bodies to seek answers because we don't know everything ourselves. We're just messengers as spokespersons. So we can't come here and claim to know it all. No. They raised something about they raised something about electricity the other day. We went on to ask we are being asked here about an issue of exemption. Can we get the relevant relevant bodies to clarify? They raised an issue about uh, vote buying and delegates reporting this. We go to the steering committee and the disciplinary committees of conference to report, there are these issues that are coming up, can they be followed on so that we can attend to them. So we don't take the things you raise or bring up with us lightly. Can we thank all of you at this point and again say our media relations team will, will give you an update um, on developments so that you can be able to plan. We'll also update you on whether the outgoing officials will be available for a direct interface with yourselves. Thank you very much. Welcome back. And uh, that was uh, Pule Mabe, the outgoing spokesperson uh, for the AFTA National Congress. And he was reporting on developments at the National Elective Conference of the ANC, uh, where uh, people uh, are gathered to elect the national leadership for the uh, ruling party of South Africa over the next uh, five years. And, of course, uh, there's much media anticipation and interest and speculation as well, uh, both in South Africa and internationally, about the outcome uh, of this conference. And we'll take a break. We'll be back with our concluding segment of our program. I want a Sunday kind of love. A love to last past 
And it was also both uh, virtual and live as well. So let's listen uh, to uh, some of the proceedings of the media briefing uh, from uh, the co-conveners of uh, this conference, uh, which was uh, sponsored by the African Centers for Disease Control and Prevention based in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. The conference was held in uh, Kigali, Rwanda. And uh, this is the Pan-African Journal Worldwide Radio Broadcast, this special edition of our program. And uh, we've been bringing these uh, briefings from the African Centers for Disease Control and Prevention based in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, to you uh, over the last uh, two or more years uh, since the height uh, of Agnes Benengao. She is a co-chair of CPHIA 2021 and 2022. So our distinguished panelists are here to just give us an overview of what we should expect uh, this conference to be. And so we are going to start from my immediate right. As the co-chair of the conference, she's going to lay out the groundwork for us, and she will be followed closely by Dr. Ahmed, and then the Honorable Minister will come in. So, uh, distinguished panelists, you have got two minutes just to set the stage for our conversation, and we can proceed. Over to you, Professor. Thank you, and welcome to all of you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, at uh, the, this uh, media briefing for the mega conference we going to start tomorrow. Uh, this conference is very important. It's the first in Africa that brings together all the countries in Africa for exchange in what is going on in the public health arena. You know, we used to go all together to Europe, to America, to explain what we are doing, isn't it? We are doing great things. Why not to do something here? And we are very pleased to be hosted by uh, the government of Rwanda, represented here by uh, Honorable Minister, and also uh, CDC Africa. It's a great moment. Why? Because it's time for Africans to be proud of what Africans are doing. It's time for Africans to do more and understand that they, could, they can do more for themselves, for the health of their population, and to organize uh, the public health sector. So let's talk about that because it's an important subject. And uh, we are very pleased to lead the way. No, thank you. Thank you very much, um, uh, Professor Benaguaho. And uh, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever we are joining from. Uh, three pieces of information that I would like to share. One is riding on what um, uh, Agnes has already said. We have so far about 4,200 delegates registered fully. Um, others are still registering. So um, this is the first in-person edition of the Conference of Public Health in Africa, and uh, we are very pleased with the turnout uh, so far. The main conference begins tomorrow. Today we have pre-meetings, side events, 
and they are all flowing extremely well. Um, and we are also um, looking forward to the side events uh, to continue during the whole week of, um, of this meeting. So the, the conference may start tomorrow, but the side events have started today and started very, very well. Second thing that I would like to say is that we are very, um, we are looking forward to the official opening tomorrow, and the Honorable Minister will speak about that. Um, but as we officially open it, we also need to officially appreciate the weight that Africa is, has decided to carry. It is the weight of knowledge. And the amount of knowledge that is being shared today, tomorrow, until the end of the conference is enormous. And as Africa CDC, we have committed that the recommendations that will come out of this conference are going to see a path into policy, are going to see a path into implementation at country level. Because we've talked enough, it is time for action. So this is a conference of action, and we are looking forward to those recommendations. Finally is um, the sheer support that we have seen from all our governments across the continent. All the 55 countries are actually represented here in this conference today. All 55 member states of the Africa Union. And we are very proud and we are grateful for the leadership that our um, uh, governments, our heads of states, our ministers have, see, have shown during the time of arranging for this conference. And um, we are really um, uh, committing that we are going to take whatever it is that we have discussed to them so they can be able to see that the um, idea that they had, the, um, uh, the child that um, uh, they, they delivered for us is growing and growing very well in the shape of Africa CDC, in the shape of this conference, in the shape of public health discussions uh, here uh, on the continent. So we are looking forward to a very, very robust and a productive um, uh, conference that is going to be the beginning of even better conferences that are going to come after this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, welcome to everyone. I'd like to start by welcoming you to Rwanda. Um, it's a pleasure hosting you to, uh, to our beautiful country. And um, Rwanda is delighted to really hold this first ever in presence um, uh, Continental Public Health in Africa um, conference. And I think it's going to be, as, as uh, my predecessors have talked about, a unique platform, really, to share what we've been doing in the last couple of years. There's a lot that Africa has to share with the world. And it's going to be a unique platform where you have a variety of researchers, policymakers, scientists, you name it. So I think we're going to take opportunity of this, uh, of this conference to discuss uh, what we've been, we, we have achieved, but more importantly, charter the course of what we're going to achieve next. There's going to be a lot of discussions and way forward to build more resilient health systems in Africa. We've seen what we can do. We've seen areas where we can improve, and we're going to share a lot of uh, knowledge, expertise, experience to, to better uh, our, our continent's uh, public health scene. So... Uh, Mine is just to, to welcome you and to, to tell you that uh, we are really excited to have you and that uh, along the nine tracks of the conference, there are many, many interesting discussion presentations that are going to happen. And uh, we welcome you to share what, what we'll be discussing here because there's going to be a lot of important things that will come out of this. And 
We wish you a pleasant stay here, and uh, all of you have a wonderful conference, and we are all here uh, whenever you need us. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister, and to our panelists. So we're welcome, starting off from the very last speaker. We're all welcome to Kigali, Rwanda. And of course, let's look out. We can look out for action and implementation as Africa CDC is focused. And then you heard Prof. Benningau say, it's time that we show the world what Africa can do. Colleagues, it's now time we move into our question and answer section. Uh, as usual, those online, you can make use of our platform. Of course, the Zoom platform, you can use the Q&A section. Uh, we can use that. We can put your question through to the panelists. You can also make use of our WhatsApp number as usual, plus 251-94550-2310. Uh, so our colleagues in the room, just raise your hand for any of uh, the panelists that you have a question. Uh, we can afford you the opportunity to ask your question and the panelists can address the question accordingly. So we're going to start off within the room. Uh, question from within the room. Remember you have to introduce yourself and then um, uh, tell us the institution you work for. That would be very helpful. Questions in the room? Yes. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Sarah Jervie and I'm a journalist with DevX. Uh, Dr. Ahmed, um, you've mentioned uh, previously that Africa CDC now has kind of a broader mandate looking at kind of disease and prevention um, beyond public health emergencies. I'm kind of wondering if you can elaborate on that and um, what you see uh, moving forward for Africa CDC. Um, thank you, Sarah. Uh, indeed, the mandate of um, Africa CDC is disease control and prevention. So we prevent and then if it comes, we control it. The most urgent needs right now are largely around health emergencies and disease threats. But the whole remit of disease control and prevention is our mandate. The way we see things going forward is when we harness the... Um, capabilities on the African continent, and that's its experts, its institutions, um, its uh, public, its private sector, when we harness that and we uh, gear it towards controlling outbreaks and disease threats, then we can settle down on doing the more routine um, work of strengthening our health systems, um, training our uh, experts and keeping them here on the continent. Uh, this is what we, what we aim to go and do after we put good control of uh, health outbreaks. How are we going to do that? Strengthening our institutions at the country level. Our national public health institutions, our national CDCs, they need to be capacitated to be able to respond quickly whenever there is a, an outbreak within the country, and uh, they need to be capacitated to have the right tools, including laboratories, uh, ETC, to do that work. When they are functioning properly, as Africa CDC, we'll be doing mostly coordination and then going into the longer-term health system strengthening uh, area of work. So our mandate is broad. We are dealing with the emergencies, but long-term we are going to deal with healthcare in a more holistic uh, way. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. We see a second hand. So let me, be, let me have a balance. Let me go on the other side of the room, then I'll come to you. 
Thank you. Uh, my name is Gad Chibahiro. I'm a local journalist in Rwanda, working for Flash TV and Radio. Uh, um, I wanted to ask this question in Rwanda for those who speak in Rwanda on the panel. Uh, I, uh, of course, I have to ask the minister. Uh, uh, minister, to remove the rivers, akari bo bwa mbere inama ibaye abantu bahura abantu bwa mbere yabaye umwaka ushize iba mu gihe turi muri covid abantu bayikorera batabona nayo nibwo bwa mbere cyambe naheraho nuko ari by'agaciro ku Rwanda ari cyo gihugu cya cyaiswemo ku kwakira inama bikaba bifite byinshi bivuze nuko yabigaragara ko rufite ibikizere mu buryo ubuzima rusange mu Rwanda rumeze ikindi nuko ruzitabirwa n'ibihugu byose bya Afrika Afrika ikaba yaragenze urugendo rurerure mu ndwara no muzima rusange twa twarabashije kugera ibyo tugeraho byinshi ariko ninzira ikaba ikirindende muri no nama rero nihuriro ryiza ryo kuganira ku buryo inzego z'ubuzima muri Afrika muri rusange no mu Rwanda naho rurimo twazikomeza kuzikomeza mu buryo twahura twajya tubasha ku wura nibiza cyangwa n'izindi ndwara zimwe zikomeye n'ibyorezo tukahura nabyo kandi tukabasha kubikemura neza mu gukemura ibyo byorezo biganatanga no n'ikindi cyuko inzego z'ubuzima zikomera zigakomera ku buryo ikimi cyacyo cyose cyaza kitaguhungabanya kuko rabizi ko y'ubuzima buhungabanye ukungura hungabana umutekano urahungabana rero bikaba ari ihuriro ryiza tuzaganiriramo kuko twakomeza izi nzego z'ubuzima ku rwego rwa rwa Afrika mu rusange urumva rero buremere bw'inama tukaba twishimiye kuyakira kandi tukaba twizeye uko bizaganirirwamo nibizavamo bizafasha igihugu ariko bikazanafasha n'umugabane wacu mu rusange nakoze thank you honorable minister we just go for the next question here Yes, thank you. Uh, my name is Riyakus Muguzi from Tanzania. I write for SIDEV.net. Um, this is uh, a follow-up on an important issue raised by the professor there uh, about Africa discussing public health problems on African soil. And um, I would like to ask her uh, to explain a little bit more on how this can help Africa build um, stronger public health institutions. Is this approach do you find it um, 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 how do you find it as a better a better approach uh, you know in terms of uh, helping africa build its own institutions thank you so uh coming together as experts from all african countries and friends from out of Africa, but also as institutions from Africa and ministries of health, because we have ministries here. Hmm? 
And discuss about public health in Africa can only make us understand better what are the matters that matter on our continent. Normally, what happens? We all go to London, Paris, New York, or sometime Boston, whatever, and be part of a discussion that is global, but where Africa is not the priority. Here, we are all together discussing about the situation in Africa and how all of us together with African leaders, African institutions, African experts, we can do better. We have done good with COVID. Were we lucky or were we prepared? If something else happened now, are we prepared? We have got quite good coordination. Was it by chance or by preparation? There is a lot of questions for what is good, what is less good, and what is bad, bad so that we can improve the health of our population. I answer your question? Thank you. I think the director wants to add to that. Yeah. You know, the, the, the African discussion is the core of this conference, and I fully agree with, uh, uh, with Agnes. I want to add one thing, that we must build our confidence as a continent. We must build our confidence as professionals in Africa that we can be able to organize this, come together, talk about our challenges, propose solutions, and then when we go back home, we go and implement them. You strengthen the professional, you strengthen the professional's institution, you strengthen our member states and the governments to be able to do more based on the priorities that we've discussed and the solutions that we have come up with. This is the solution for professionals in Africa uh, going forward. Um, these, um, the opportunities of going to speak elsewhere will always be there, and I fully agree with Agnes that uh, we can share. But this is where you start, because charity actually begins at home. Okay, another question right here. Yeah. Uh, good afternoon, panelists. I'm Monica Mayunikayombo uh, from Zambia Daily Mail. Um, I understand that uh, this conference is meant to prepare African countries uh, to respond to future public health threats. And uh, what I know is that uh, definitely we have qualified doctors, public health experts and all. But my question is, uh, what systems have you put in place to ensure that we move um, at the same pace as a continent because different African countries have different, uh, you know, challenges? And uh, that means that uh, they wouldn't, if there's no proper system put in place, they wouldn't move at the same pace with the other countries. Do you have maybe a contingency plan? Do you have the budget to help countries that may be facing challenges in meeting your objectives? Thank you. Quite a load of question there. So uh, I think my boss is is armed with, with some answers for that, and we would like the minister or uh, prof to add on to what Dr. Ahmed says. 
Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. Um, I didn't know Zambians ask hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do we have a system in place to take us forward? Yes. In fact, we have a vision. Africa's new public health order. When we implement that, we are going to do much better than we are doing currently. Do we have a system, in other words, a vehicle to be able to ensure that our countries are making progress? Yes. One thing we must appreciate is we are not aiming for all countries to be at the same place immediately. Everyone is going to move at the pace at which we can be able to support the countries to move. We don't want to, even within a country, you'll always find there are differences from one region to the other. The same thing for the continent. But we have three very important mechanisms that we're going to use. One is a platform of um, um, the, the ministerial level platforms that we have, where policies are going to be developed in a way that are implementable on the continent. Second is our national public health institutes and national, and national CDCs. They are the technical arms of our work, and we are providing them with all the support that they require so that they, they are able to implement what we are agreeing on. Third are our partners. Partners are providing a lot of support on the continent, but we want that support to come in an organized way and follow the path of what has already been agreed by our national level institutions and our ministers. So these three different paths are the ones that we are going to use to ensure that um, uh, whatever it is that we are agreeing on are actually going to be implemented. And in any case, we are meeting every year. At the next conference, we are going to check where are we. Uh, what can we be able to uh, do better? And we'll be doing this progressively each and every conference, each and every meeting that we have an opportunity to be able to discuss our progress, we will do that. The important thing to um, take away from this is the journey has started and we are going to progressively build um, Africa's uh, local capacity to be able to implement all that we are agreeing on based on the vision, Africa's new public health order. And what is important to, to, to add on this is that there were already exchanges among Africans, but not in a coordinated manner. And not at the path our population needs. And COVID was a great revel, uh, booster for that. The more we share the discovery from the west to the center, from the north to the south, the more our population will be ready and care of. So this is one of the major outcome of this conference and what one of the major role of CDC Africa, what one of the major role of all those ministers coming together to discuss how to coordinate and how to collaborate. The minister wants to ask something. Yes, sir. Yes, right. So I think one important thing um, in Africa is that let me take an example of a family you have different children that are endowed with different strengths and the most important is for uh, family to coordinate in a way where all those strengths are used for the benefit of the family so this is how we, we, we plan to do things in Africa you have countries that are advanced as you rightly said in some fields others that are a bit lagging behind but a testimony is that this platform provides knowledge sharing sharing, skills sharing. We've seen it actually in COVID. 
I remember when we, we had started sequencing the, for to knowing the variants that we have on the continent. Some countries were more developed than others, but they actually received some people, and this was also uh, Africa CDC was involved in, to organize how not only we are able to conduct sequencing for many countries, but also transfer the knowledge. And within a year, I think we have moved from uh, 28 countries with the ability to up to 52. This is quickly, the turnaround time of one year is quite fast. Second example I can give you is that uh, Rwanda is, uh, is going to be soon a vaccine-producing country. And, of course, it's not going to be producing for Rwanda only. It's going to produce for, for, for the continent. And there are many platforms that, that we'll have to, uh, access to so we can, we can materialize this. So just to say that we, even that model, don't necessarily need everyone to move at the same pace, but in a coordinated way, build on each other's strengths, and the good is common. We all reap benefits uh, out of it. So I think we are, we are in the right direction. We have different mechanisms that are working well. We just need to keep uh, pushing and working hard, and uh, I think we, we, we are completely on the right track. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Uh, yes, I see the hand in the room. Let's give two hands, actually. Three? Okay, so let me announce that those will be the last three hands in the room. So let me give uh, the colleagues online one chance. And I think uh, Dr. Amos already started uh, speaking to this. Uh, the colleague here from East Africa Bureau, uh, I think the name slipped to come true, but he wants to know, he or she wants to know, there are a lot of conferences that happen across the world, across Africa, and actually sometimes the results are not measurable at every time. One, the colleague wants to know how different is CPHIA, especially in its physical form this year, and two, how will the organizers track the progress moving forward. So I think uh, Dr. Ahmed can start, and maybe uh, the co-chair, Prof. Agnes can add to that. Uh, no, thank you. Um, one, those many conferences were not organized by Africans in Africa. This is different. We are organizing it here ourselves, and we are committing that we are going to implement uh, the outcomes of, uh, uh, of the discussions. So one very important difference. Second, we um, are tasking ourselves that based on whichever agreements that have been made, we will develop um, indicators that will ensure that we can be able to track what is being done at the continental level. And um, this again we have uh, tasked ourselves to do. Um, by the end of the, of the meeting we'll see what the recommendations are going to be. Finally, is um, let us be measured by the outcome of this meeting and implementation thereof. Let us not be measured by conferences that have been held for decades and um, we may not be seeing what the result of the outcomes are. Measures by the outcome of this meeting and how we'll implement it over the next one year. Thank you. I think Prof is nodding, so she doesn't want to add to that. Let's just continue with the questions in the room. So we've got three. We'll take actually three ladies. Uh, okay, let me start from here. No, let me do her justice. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my name is uh, Alice Kajina. I work at the New Times Rwanda. So I have two questions. Yes, uh, so my first question goes to either the co-chair or Africa CDC. 
What specific challenges that are hindering our public health in Africa that makes in any way Africa lag behind that you are hoping to, at the end of this conference, to have an actionable pathway? And my second point is to Africa CDC. So what new developments do we have in the Africa Medicines Agency taking shape as we move towards achieving the AU's new public health order? Thank you. I expected Rwanda to ask a question about Armando. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start and uh, um, you will continue. Yeah. So, I think that Africa have understood that we need to go for researchers, for research that matter for us. Not research that somebody in New York, Paris, etc., is interested about Africa. That's the first thing we are going to discuss here. That means own our knowledge, own our capacity. Second, this will impact the way we educate. We have universities here. It's a new par uh, paradigm to say we should list what we need and make sure that the students that we educate can, once as professionals, solve it. Same for professionals. So this is taking stock about what we are capable for, what we need, and how to bridge the two. Welcome back. And uh, that was a press briefing uh, from uh, the African Centers for Disease Control and Prevention sponsored conference, the second annual uh, Public Health in Africa conference this time uh, held uh, live in uh, Kigali, Rwanda. And that's going to conclude our program uh, for today. Uh, you've been listening to the Pan-African Journal, special uh, worldwide uh, radio broadcast. I am your host, Abayomi uh, Azikwe. If you'd like to have access uh, to this program, all you need to do uh, is go uh, to our website at the Pan-African Radio Network, and uh, that's at uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. If you'd like to read the Pan-African Newswire, just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. We're going to close out uh, with the sound of uh, West Montgomery. Uh, this, of course, uh, is an album uh, that... Uh, was recorded uh, live uh, in 1965. This is Abayomi Azikawe uh, signing off, and have a beautiful week.
Let's go.